Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 194. Have you ever wanted to try something new or different in a cruise port, but struggled to find a tour that met your exact needs? Or perhaps there's a short excursion that Royal Caribbean does not offer, but you're uncomfortable going through a third party. On this week's podcast episode, we will discuss a relatively new option by Royal Caribbean that offers guests exactly the kind of shore excursions they want, customized to what their wants and needs happen to be. Here we go. One of the most common struggles cruise ship passengers go through on any sailing is the decision to find a shore excursion that is perfect for them. Royal Caribbean offers a wide variety of shore excursion options, and there are many more third-party shore excursions available to use. And yet, some guests may find they are compromising on what the tour offers, its length, or pace. Royal Caribbean decided to offer a third choice that would include the best benefits of booking through Royal Caribbean directly with the diversity of choices that can be found while booking on your own. Private Journeys is a relatively new option by Royal Caribbean for guests to completely customize every aspect of what they want to do during a port stop and make it the kind of experience that curtails to their family or group's needs. Having tried out Private Journeys on a recent cruise of my own, I wanted to talk about this relatively new offering by Royal Caribbean and explain what it is exactly, how it works, and who might benefit the most from using Private Journeys. And joining me once again is someone who has an equal appreciation for the Royal Tots and Babies Nursery on board any Royal Caribbean ship. She is an equal part friend and bad influence on my long-term money-saving ability in favor of booking new cruises. It is the pride of Central Texas, Christy McClarty. Welcome back, Christy. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me back. I'm happy to talk about cruises anytime. (laughs) Absolutely. And today we're talking about something kind of interesting, which is private journeys. Before we get into it, I probably should explain what Private Journeys is. Let's talk a little bit about it beforehand. But this is a relatively new program. It's basically a custom shore excursion option that Royal Caribbean offers. And basically, you tell Royal Caribbean, hey, at this port, I want to do X, Y, and Z. You know, And that can be really as customized as you want it to be, whether you want to eat at this particular restaurant or include lunch, not include lunch, go for a couple hours, go for the whole day. It basically, in my opinion, combines the best of a third-party excursion, you know, with the breadth of options, but with the safety and security, if you will, of booking through Royal Caribbean because you're getting that right of uh, return guaranteed first off the ship, guaranteed return to the ship, <clears throat> most convenient access to tour vehicles, and, of course, you're, you're booking with Royal Caribbean. So Royal Caribbean has partnered with a number of tour guides throughout uh, the, the world, really, to help put this all together. And it's really it truly is customized it really is customized to what you're looking to do. And Christy and I both tried this out recently because – and I, Christy, I want to put words in your mouth here. Let's start out. Why did you pick Private Journeys? What appealed to you about it? Well, we were kind of on one of those trips where we hadn't been to a port in you know 10-plus years. We didn't really know what there was to do. And every time we kept logging into the cruise planner, we kept seeing Private Journeys across the top. And so um, we started looking into it. And um, we, you know, just like you said, we really appreciated uh, the benefits of booking through Royal, but we really had a hard time kind of picking out that one thing we wanted to do. And so we started talking to Private Journeys about, you know, what if we could take a little mashup of all the little things we wanted to do and make it into an excursion for ourselves. And then we found out the pricing was just like, it was pretty comparable to just a normal, um, private journey and you know we'll talk about that in in terms of um you know how it compares to shore excursions in general but we thought it was a great deal for what we got as well yeah i think for us it's very similar we wanted we had an idea of some things we wanted to do 
And for us, it was a it was a combination of a couple things. First of all, we've learned over the years that we're not group tour people. Like we're we the pace of a group tour, a whether it's through Royal Caribbean or third party, a large tour. It just feels like the pace doesn't really work with us. We've got young children, and that's not an excuse. My kids can deal with you know waiting. The patience is a virtue that they need to learn. But it just seems like you know we want it doesn't really jive with what we're looking to do. That's that was the first part of it. The second part of it is also our comfort level with doing third party excursions on our own in the sense of timing. Uh, you know, one thing I'm a big fan of doing things on my own in ports, but. I often like to get back with more than enough time to return to the ship. And when we were looking at one particular port, which we'll talk about a little bit, this ours, mine was in Curacao, there was a lot we wanted to do. We weren't sure about timing if that was going to be an issue. So again, the, the Royal Caribbean guarantee of ret- guaranteed return to the ship really appealed to us in that regard. So those were the primary contributing factors to it, to, to give it a try. And, and I think that... Um, you know, a lot of it was the idea that, well, let's see what, what happens. And I think you had the same approach, Christy, because you and I were trading emails during the process. You actually did yours first before me. Uh, but basically, I think you had the same process, right? You, you sent an email to Private Journeys, and they replied back, and you kind of went back and forth, essentially discussing what options you want to do in what order and whatnot. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, and actually, that's one of the things I loved about it was because um, everything was handled through email. I know you're busy like I am, and it's hard to sit down and really dedicate some time uh, to talk on the phone with somebody and with private journeys, everything was handled by email. And I will say that whenever you kind of go into it, um, it definitely behooves you to kind of research what you might want to do. Because um, if my one complaint would be with the whole process was they weren't really great at giving suggestions on what to do. Mm-hmm. They were really great at doing, you know, when I mentioned these things, I was like, okay, perfect, let's do it. But I said, you know, if you have any other suggestions, which I never really got from them, but it was okay, yeah. you know. Um, um, so do a little bit of research before, and then also I don't Matt how how uh, far in advance did you send your email? I think I sent mine a couple of months in advance. It took I think from start to finish it was about like almost a thirty day process. Were you about to say you need to give it enough time? <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. better than I am. I contacted <laughs> them about two weeks out, and so they weren't like a huge fan of that, um, but they made it work, which was great. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a good tip, though, is that give it time. It's not like booking something, you know, in the cruise planner that takes you about 30 seconds to take care of. The more time you can, you can give it, the better. And also, we should mention, this is no obligation. So you can contact them and ask for a quote, you know, so this is what I'm looking to do. They may reply back and, you know, give you something be like, oh, you know, either the price isn't right or the option isn't right or it just doesn't jive with what you're looking for. But there was a lot of going back and forth. And I remember, I think we went through three different tour itineraries for me before I settled on one that worked because originally I wanted to do something that was a little bit longer that actually involved lunch. And then they were like, well, it's going to cost you this. And I was like, okay, I think the kids can be fine just eating, you know, a, a Big Mac somewhere along the way. And we'll just, uh, we'll call it even. Um, so it, it is quite, um, it, it's an easy process. It's just your, I think unless they nail it off the bat, there's a lot of going back and forth, which is fairly normal when you're trying to get someone to, you know, they can't read your mind, so you've got to share with them kind of what you're getting at. And you can be as vague or as specific as you can. I told them in mine, I said, I want to go to this spot, this spot, and this spot. And then also, like you said, Christy, opened some other ideas. And I think they suggested one or two other spots I wasn't even considering uh, to visit in, in Curacao. So that was kind of nice. It, it, it worked itself out. It's just, again, it wasn't the most the speediest process in the world. And so um, it's, it's important to realize that whatever, you know, you guys want to do, um, it's basically whatever you can afford. And so I know whenever I was looking into it at first, it was like, take a private plane 
to a private island and enjoyed lunch. And we weren't looking for something that quite that extravagant. Um, but, you know, if you have something really crazy that you want to do, then go for it. You know, do some research, figure out what what there is to do and then uh, start talking to them. And they do a really good job of helping you out. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to add that uh, when the when it's all said, then they'll give you like a quote, essentially, with everything there. And for me, and I think the same for you, they quoted me the departure time, cost, duration, a detailed tour description, and also other smaller details like the fact that there would be private van provided, an English-speaking tour guide, because obviously I speak English somewhat well, um, you know, and, uh, trans- and, the, and the cost would include transportation, guidance, entrance fees, so there wouldn't be any surprises along the way. There were a couple places that did have an entrance fee, and our tour guide didn't even bat an eye. She had it uh, taken care of, and there were absolutely no issues there. So, yeah, it, it definitely made a, 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 a big deal to, to me to have all those things taken care of and that is one thing i noticed christy uh when when i was going through this like wow this is the difference between booking third-party tour guides usually are more it's a little more vague in terms of what they're going to offer you i mean they'll give you specifics but they don't get down to that kind of a level and when you but with with this with private journeys i mean they really were crossing the t's and dotting the i's for for everything they were talking about here yeah i felt that same way too and um when we actually took the tour i was really surprised at the quality of tour guide that we had you know it's it was one of those things where you didn't really know what to expect, and yeah. we had this gorgeous van, and it turned out that um, our tour guide, they actually paired up with um, a local tour guide company, and she was the manager of the tour guide company, and she we did it in St. Martin. I don't know. If, I don't think we actually said that, but um, she really knew the island backwards, forwards. The van was clean. We had six of us, and it was just um, you know perfect accommodations. At a fairly reasonable price, I think we paid um, just under $150 a person, and that was for a six-hour tour. Yep, that sounds about right with what I paid. I paid $600 for uh, me, my wife, my two kids, and they quoted us, uh, I believe, about uh, – I can't remember if they quoted us five hours and we went six or they quoted us four, and we went five. But we ended up going extra over. I didn't even realize it. They didn't say anything. They didn't care. They were just like, okay, you know, it, it is what it is. And like you said, for you know to do something on your own on a private tour like that with this kind of level of sophistication, you know, we were in a new car as well. It was air conditioned, which is always important in the Caribbean, and it was good air conditioning, not like you know, oh god, in twenty minutes maybe it'll get cold in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that one. It, it really made a big, uh, big deal. And I agree about the tour guide. We were. Uh, so we were doing just for background for my tour. We should probably share what we're doing. I did a uh, Jewish heritage tour of Curacao. When you didn't, what did you do in St. Martin? We just kind of did a modge podge. Like we went over uh, cool. to the to Marigo. Um, we went to Grand Cas and then to Maho Beach. Yeah, and and I had the same concern about you did about the tour guide. I was worried we were just going to get some guy or some gal who was going to just essentially be like reading off a script almost like they wouldn't really be knowledgeable. They'd just be like somebody who's like a chauffeur <laughs> and, and within about, uh, not, not, I don't know how long, but pretty quickly I knew she knew her stuff because number one, she didn't have any, you know, cheat sheets. Number two, she was rattling off fairly uh, important information and she knew it. Like it wasn't even like, uh, let me look that up kind of thing. She definitely knew her stuff. And that was, I was impressed because at first I was kind of worried about it and it ended up being, 
you know, definitely it was actually an expert guide. It wasn't just, like I said, a chauffeur. And, and to me, that made a big difference. That's pretty impressive. I mean, because a Jewish heritage tour is a pretty specific thing, right? And so, yeah. you know, just now your average tour guide is going to know all about those sites and everything. So that's, that's really cool that they found somebody like that for you guys. Yeah, and it was the same, just like you mentioned, it was a it was another private company that they partnered with, and it was a little old lady, but she knew her stuff, and I was I was really impressed. Uh, they we went in a in a SUV. Actually, it was really cool. It was that she made us um, this local delicacy? It's almost like uh, what was it? It was a uh, not carrot, but a vegetable based pancake, uh, pumpkin. That's what it was, and and she made it for us at home, just like. I made you this as a snack because I thought the kids might be hungry later. I'm like, that was so nice of her. And it was really good, too, which is even better. I was like, pumpkin pancakes doesn't really sound that appealing. But it ended up being really good. And I was like, she must have known you. Must have known that the way to your heart was through food, right? That's funny because when we ate lunch, we ate lunch right by our tour guide's house. And we had a whole bunch of leftovers. And she just took them home with, you know, we offered it to her. But it was just, you know, it was cool because we were like in her neighborhood, you know. And she just knew the waiter and everything. It was it was a really cool experience. What, is, what stands out to you, Christy, looking back on your tour? What stands out to you is like what you liked? I mean, obviously, visit some cool spots. I did as well. But it, what what would compel you, or what would make you recommend a private journey to somebody over either booking a group tour through Royal Caribbean or a third party, or even just a group tour, a private tour, you know, uh, like a driver for the day? Okay, well, we've had bad experiences doing, you know, just picking a random driver for the day um, online. We haven't had the best experiences with that. Um, but like you said, we're not exactly group tour people. Um, you know, sometimes we get out of a place and after five minutes, we're like, okay, we're done here, you know. And um, so we really like that because if we wanted to be done, we were done and we just moved on. Um, and then just being able to customize the day like i know lots of times i log into that cruise planner and i'm like okay what do i have to do and i have to like rank things i'm like okay this one's you know a a nine out of ten and this one's a five out of ten and what's really cool about the private journeys is like let's take little pieces from each one of those shore excursions and we can piece them together and make this perfect day and you know whenever you're going on a cruise you only get that one day in that port and so let's make it count you know let's Let's take everything we want to do and just get it done. So, I agree. I, I think the customization is really where it's at, both before the tour and during the tour. And that's really the key because not only are you getting that knowledgeable tour guide, but, you know, I got to mention my kids. You know, with the kids, it's really tough. A great example is I think at one point the kids fell asleep in the car. And so the what happened was the tour guide realized this, the kids fell asleep, and she took the long way to give them more time to sleep in the car, which is a really great thing because you, the kids can use any kind of napping time they can get. And they even we stopped to see a flock of flamingos uh, along the way because they, she just happened to spot them along. And, and you know, it's, it's little things like that and being able to customize it. Uh, towards the end, the kids were starting to lose it. And they're like, okay, you know, let's, let's skip this idea that we we're going to go here and just, you know, culminate with, with this particular stop. And I think as a parent, that really worked out well. I often make the joke about the uh, – about the National Lampoon vacation where they go to the Grand Canyon and Chevy Chase's character <laughs> looks around and goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, let's go. Like, you know, <laughs> sometimes you need that kind of a you need that kind of a, a stop. And other times you want to take a long time. We stopped at one at the oldest synagogue in Curacao, and we were there for, you know, I want to say at least a solid hour, you know, just walking around and taking it all in. There was a lot to see. 
And and I think that having that power, you can't get that in a group cruise because either you're going to be that guy who's holding everybody up and you know it, or you're going to be sitting there on the steps or on a chair somewhere, you know, like how many, you know, how much longer until we get to move on to the next thing? It's that that's always the thing that that gets to me. That's some people aren't like that. Some people can tour and and they enjoy it. That's fine too. But I think if you're if you want to do a certain kind of customized thing, but you want it to be customized throughout, I think that's re- and if that's important to you, that's really where it comes into play. And I, I think we found that on on our time and during the private journeys. You know, Matt, if I had to say one place where I think this would be extremely uh, beneficial would be cruising in Europe. And I haven't cruised with uh, Royal in Europe before, but I have cruised over there before. And there's so much to do in these ports. And a lot of times it's a good distance away from the port. Like um, if you go to Berlin, per se, uh, per se, it's a two-hour ride into town. And so when you're really looking at having uh, time constraints, and I would absolutely do this in a heartbeat um, over in Europe. So you can kind of do the, you know bam, 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 and see what you need, or even have, you know, a great day where it's relaxing, but, you know, you're going to make it back to the ship, and if you don't, they're waiting for you, which is super right. important over there. I think it's a great point. There are cert- definitely certain ports that gravi- that it gravitates towards, like, you know, Cozumel, I might not say, unless, you, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I don't think that, that wouldn't jump out to me as a port that would be super perfect for private journeys. I'm sure you can find lots of things in there, but... Uh, but you're right. A place like Europe, places that have a lot going on, either there's a lot of travel time or there's just a lot to do in there. And either a group, you know, a group tour or a private excursion doesn't really work for you. I kind of, you know, Christy, I was looking at it and I said, I think it really comes down to you've got to fall into one of three categories, I think, for private journeys to make some sense to you. Uh, I think either one, you want to do a short excursion that moves at your own pace and offers activities that you want to see and do, which is kind of what I talked about earlier. Number two, uh, there is no existing shore excursion that's offered by Royal Caribbean that fits what you want to see and do. That goes, again, to the idea that um, – and, of course, number three, that you're unwilling or unable to book a third-party shore excursion. So I think it really comes down to, you know, really, do, is there an excursion that is not available through Royal Caribbean and, again, you're unwilling or unable to book it through a third party or – or and even, for that matter – uh, you don't want to. You don't want a group tour that's going to pull you down. Do you kind of agree with that, or do you see another kind of use case that might make some sense? No, I totally agree with that. We're definitely the type of people that like to have that guaranteed. You know, we know if we're not going to make it back, the ship's going to wait for us. We don't like to. You know, and we're like you. You know, if we're on our own, we're back three hours beforehand. <laughs> and other than that, you know. Um, I think those are kind of your three main categories, and um, you get Royals guarantee, you get a customized day, and you're not waiting on other people all day long. That's a great point. I I really did enjoy the tour. It ended up being better, certainly met expectations. I'm going to say even better than I expected it to be. Would you agree with that as well? What was your kind of your uh, take on it, looking back on it? Yeah, it was totally better than we expected. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. Like I said, there's no obligations. You can certainly ask. I think in terms of pricing, you have to understand that this is not going to be a $50 tour. This is going to be, as I mentioned, I paid, I looked it up, but when you when you were mentioning something else earlier, it was $600 for the four of us for four hours. Again, we ended up going, I think, an hour, an hour and a half over. There was never a mention of, like, she never was looking at her watch like, oh, but, you know, we got only this amount of time left. So it never felt like we were being rushed or anything like that. She knew the time. She could have said, hey, you know, your time is running out there. And uh, but she never mentioned anything about that. We were she was I mean, they, they literally could not have been more accommodating about the whole thing. And again, it's through Royal Caribbean. So it was nice seeing actually private journey showed up in my cruise planner. I got tickets in my stateroom. 
uh, so that I knew where to go on that day. I got down to the. I remember I got down to the um, to the to where all the group tours usually meet, and I saw the Royal Caribbean coordinator, or whatever you want to call her title, there, the person who's in charge of all the shore excursions, and said, "Hey, I don't. Where should I be going? I've got this private journey." She goes, "Oh, you're the one who's got that." I think I was like the first person <laughs> they ran into that had it. And she was so excited. That's funny. Okay, wait right over here. There was a nice covered area, and, and they came right to you. So it was, it was really easy. But really, when you look at the price point, Matt, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, whenever you – we had six people on our trip. You know, you're looking at $125, $150 a person. I can go through the cruise planner right now and find, you know, half the tours that run about that much. And, you, you know, you get this personalized tour. And like I said, you could plan out this crazy day and it's going to be extravagant. But I was pleasantly surprised when they first came back with our quote – and um, and then, like you said, you can tweak it whenever you're, you get that first quote too. Say, ah, oh, maybe we don't want to be gone six hours. Maybe we want to do like four, you know. And they yeah. change the quote for you based on that. Perfect. Well, Christy, uh, before I let you go, we've already you've been on a podcast episode before. Where we talked about taking young kids on board, so I asked you all the usual questions. So I guess I'll wrap it up here with, uh, what's your next Royal Caribbean cruise you've got booked? What are you looking forward to? We are going on a girls-only trip, which is going to be amazing. On uh, July 15th, we're going on Harmony of the Seas, and I can't wait because that is my favorite cruise ship that I've never been on before. <laughs> That's right. And the best part is I booked a cruise before you, so I get to... I get to soak it in a little bit, and then of course when you go, I'll be yes, but that's a different. Yeah, I'll I'll live through you. You know, it'll help me get through <laughs> packing and everything else like that. There you go. Thanks, Christy. Thanks, Matt. Let's jump into our email inbox this week to answer your Royal Caribbean questions, comments, thoughts, basically everything on your mind, Royal Caribbean. And, of course, you can always email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is actually not even an email. It's a voicemail. It's from John Bamber of Austin, Texas, who sent me a great voicemail here. So I'm going to let John ask the question. Take it away, John. Hey, Matt, and everybody listening to the royalcaribbean.com blog podcast. This is at I am John Bamber from Periscope and Twitter and YouTube and all that good stuff. Um, I wanted to try the little voicemail thing. I heard somebody do that on a previous episode of the podcast, and I thought that was pretty cool. So I figured I would, uh, you know, try my hand at it. Um, I actually have a question about Coco Cay. Uh, I just got back from the Majesty of the Seas. I was on there February 6th to 10th. I had a great time on the four-night Bahamas cruise. Uh, I have a question about Coco Cay. So I rented the beach bed over by uh, over in that VIP section of the island, uh, kind of away from where everybody else is. And the area is beautiful, really, really nice, very beautifully kept. There's a nice private bar there and all that, you know, so I have no complaints about the view and, and everything. My question is, is that area of the island not suited for swimming? What I mean by that is the water over by that part of the island doesn't seem like it's ideal for swimming. As soon as you walk out into the water... There's a ton of kelp and a lot of like seaweed or whatever it is. And as soon as you step out into the water, your foot will sink about eight to 10 inches and you kind of like almost lose your balance. And it's barely deep enough even to walk out. And so I saw a lot of people kind of walking around, you know, on kind of like sandbars and parts that kind of poked up out of the water. So it didn't seem like it was meant for swimming. And I'm just curious if that was maybe a time of year thing. Cause I was down, we were down there in February of 2017. So I don't know if maybe it's deeper during the summer months or is that area just not really intended for swimming and the beach bed kind of cabana area is more just for lounging there and just looking at the water. Because uh, later on in that day, my friend and I went back to the regular VIP, the regular non VIP area and uh, where everyone else just 
just sits and that was where we did all of our swimming and that was a blast so i'm just curious if, the, if that vip section doesn't necessarily cater towards swimming or you know swimming out in the in the water there uh thanks so much uh, for checking out my uh, my little voicemail here i appreciate it and matt i love all the stuff you're doing i love the community and i love the uh you know the blog and and the periscopes and everything so i look forward to uh, seeing you and all the other folks there uh in upcoming streams and episodes thanks that's a great question, John. Thanks for sending it in. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I was in the same area when I was on Anthem of the Seas in March. And what John is saying is if you get more than like, oh, I don't know, a couple feet from the sh- literally where the shoreline is, uh, there's a lot of kelp and seaweed and whatnot. And it, I don't care about singing. It just feels disgusting if you ask me. So you got to remember one thing. First of all, these this area that where the beach beds and the beach bungalows have been added recently is an area of Coco Cay that was until recently fairly undeveloped. So it's, it's a relatively new area where Royal Caribbean has expanded upon. And as a result, they clearly they have not gotten the the water area to be to to match it. Now you did mention there are some areas, and it's hard to describe in audio form, but there were definitely some sandbars and area you could definitely see it just visually without even getting in the water. There were areas that were really light if you're looking at it, and you knew that's where it was the sandy part of the beach or under surf. <laughs> and then there were parts that were dark, and that's where all the seaweed was. Uh, to answer your question, I think it has to do with two things. I think first they expanded down there because they need more room. They ran out of space closer to where those beaches have been developed. And I'm assuming, quite honestly, that at some point earlier they had exactly done what I think they're going to do later on, which is to clear that stuff out, right? It's, you know, these beaches are not naturally like this. They're kind of, you know, you could you could see the, the, the tractor marks and whatnot from the beachside. And then in the water, the same thing, they'd be dredged out in order to be a little more suitable for, for bathing. Certainly for snorkeling, it's wonderful. If you've got a snorkeling gear, I mean, that's where the fish are, right? If you're going to be a fish, you're not hanging out in a desolate area of the ocean. You're hanging out where the kelp is. That's where all the food is. And, you know, smaller fish attract bigger fish. And there you go. There's a circle of life. <laughs> so... I think what's going to happen, John, if if I can glance into my crystal ball that, by the way, I have no official, uh, you know, connection that I can draw upon. This is just my guess. But in my crystal ball, we already know that Royal Caribbean has announced they're expanding Coco Cay. Now, they haven't really said what they're doing besides that they're adding a pier. Beyond that, we know nothing else that they're planning on doing there. But I kind of suspected all along the way that a a upgrade to the to the surf area is going to be part of that process because it's going through 2019 this is not going to be like a two week kind of thing and I can totally see that being part of it again based on what you said earlier which is that if you go back to the regular part of Coco Cay the older part old Coco Cay versus new Coco Cay the older part the beach area and the swimming area is, is free of that kind of stuff I think that's probably part of it at least and certainly maybe that may be some wishful thinking on my part but nonetheless I'm looking forward to seeing those changes and and John, thank you for the uh, for the voicemail. I love it. Next email is from Kyle from DC, who writes, "My friends, I cruise Harmony of the Seas back in mid December, and I thought I sent along my review of this amazing ship. First, wow, my first cruise was back in 2014 on Oasis of the Sea. So in a way, Harmony felt like coming home. The differences Royal Caribbean made between Oasis and uh-oh, Oasis Alert slash Harmony." I've really taken the next level, though. Here are my thoughts. First impressions. Those first steps onto the ship into the Royal Promenade are maybe the most awe-inspiring in the cruise world. The ship was all decorated for Christmas, so it was even more beautiful. In terms of our cabin, we had a junior suite, number 8244, portside deck 8, right near the aft elevator's best cabin ever. It was spacious, and the decor was very chic, reminding me of Anthem. The bathroom was very spacious and well-appointed with a nice tub-shower combo. Perhaps the biggest combo was the walk-in closet. Nice touch. The cabin on the hump, so the view was uh, marginally better than your average balcony. 
dining overall excellent. We sat we set foot in the main dining room a grand total of one time during the entire cruise, and that was for lunch. Before the cruise, we booked the five-night specialty dining package. First thing after boarding, we went straight to Jamie's Italian in Central Park, where the host was helpful and booked dinner each night to our specifications. We had Sabor Izumi Hibachi, Jamie's Italian, Solarium Bistro, Chops, Wonderland, and 150 Central Park for our dinners. Perhaps a surprise highlight was Solarium Bistro, the one we didn't pay extra for. Maybe it was just the low expectations, but the selection and quality of food blew us away. The menu is Mediterranean-themed, a must-do. I ordered this chicken and steak combo to Zumi Hibachi. If you order that combo, make sure you ask for the beef tenderloin instead of the New York Strip, most tender steak I've ever had at sea. Sabor. Oh, Sabor. I didn't think you'd possibly live up to the expectations, but it blew them away. Ho- hashtag holy guacamole Batman. Even, but even better was the guac was the chicken stuffed jalapeno bites. Wow. Still having dreams about those. Jamie's Italian was delicious. The restaurant was packed. We had great service. Our chops experience was slightly lacking. The food was good, but the service was a little bit slow. I realize it's designed to be a slower dining experience, but given that, it still felt like it dragged. Wonderland was great, and what a view from that location. 150 Central Park was delicious, but I was sorry to say they have done away with the wine tasting, with the tasting menu in favor of a more traditional menu. In terms of around the ship, the ship is drop-dead gorgeous. Uh, the Chinsville Park is amazing. I haven't spent enough time there on my Oasis cruise, so this time I made sure my cabin was right near the park. I took full advantage. Every morning I would stroll through the park to get breakfast and coffee from Park Cafe. Then I would find a secluded spot amongst the beautiful plant life to read my book, Pure Paradise. The water slides were fabulous. I always look at the cruise ship water slides and think, eh, that doesn't look all that exciting. Well, they were. I must have ridden each slide 10 to 15 times. Ultimate Abyss, I rode in on embarkation day and came away disappointed. The lights on and weren't even working, and it felt really slow. I rode it a couple times later in the week and got the full effect. I recommend giving it another try, both slides, if you like to come away with, uh, if you come away disappointed the first time. And my favorite... My favorites, like the Rising Tide Bar, the Solarium, and the Cantilevered Hot Tubs, are where they're on Harmony and are still wonderful. In terms of shows, the Fine Line Aqua Show was amazing. Saw it twice. Grease was a lot of fun. It was a new cast, but they killed it. Columbus the Musical was trippy. 1887 Ice Show was visually stunning. And because this was considered a holiday sailing, they did Christmas caroling on the promenade. They handed out songbooks. It was great fun. Harmony was my seventh cruise and by far the best one yet. One question I have for you, though. Because I sailed in the junior suite, I knew I would receive double crown and anchor society points for the sailing. Imagine my surprise when I logged into the account after the week and saw I actually received 21 points for this seven-night cruise instead of 14. Am I just a lucky son of a gun, or is there some kind of scenario in which you accrue triple points, like for a holiday sailing or something? I keep logging back into the Royal Planner and realize they did see if they made a mistake, but they haven't done them yet. Don't tell on me. Thanks you for the great work on the blog and podcast. You should know that it is on my bucket list to A, participate in a podcast episode, and B, join one of the group cruises. Keep them coming. Kyle, thank you for the email. Great. I love it. By the way, he just put a bunch of bulleted lists, which is exactly what you need to do. Makes it easy to read for me. And more importantly, it doesn't have to be Shakespeare. You don't have to spell it on out. Just, you know, good. Here, here's what's cool, right? I love it. Kyle, I would love to have you on the podcast, dude. If you can, if you could speak halfway as well as you can write up an email, definitely would love to talk. I love having all my friends on the podcast, right? So the, in order to answer your question, there's only there's only one thing I can think of is that you went solo. If you go solo and stay in a suite, you get triple points. You get the for going in a suite, you already get double points. And then if you're going solo, they add another set of points on there. You didn't mention anyone else with you, so that's the only thing I can think of. The other thing I thought briefly about an old promotion that Royal Caribbean ran back in 2015, where they were giving double cruise points for suites on Oasis and Allure, but uh, but that was for cruises that went between May 1st and August 31st, 2016. You said you went in December, so clearly that wasn't the case. So. I can only assume that you went by yourself, Kyle. That's the only explanation I can get. 
Uh, if not that, then dude, don't say anything. Just you know, <laughs> take it and run. There must be a reason for it, but uh, the only if, if you didn't go solo, there must have been a booking promotion that you booked in on that that had that. I wish I'd give you a better answer than that, but yeah, uh, that's the best answer I'm going to give you right there. So. Thank you, though, very much for the email. Next, we have an email from Elizabeth, who writes, Just listen to this week's podcast during our wonderful drive home from the amazing group cruise and heard your answer, you answer an email question about name changes and thought I would share my own personal experience. My passport does not currently have my correct last name on it. I know, very poor form on my part. And I brought our marriage license with us to board Navigator, but it caused some delays in check-in. When the name on your passport and booking do not match, it requires supervisor approval for the change and a reprinting your CPAS card, which means that if you book a drink package, you have to go back to the bar or package station and get a new sticker. So my advice is to book the cruise in the name of your passport and notify your travel agent once you have the updated passport. Brian and I had a fantastic time on the Royal Green Blog group cruise and recommend that everyone take advantage of one of the upcoming opportunities with Royal Green Blog. Elizabeth, first of all, thank you for the great uh, information here because I think that's really, really helpful for anybody who's in that situation again. And I got to agree, Brian and Elizabeth, who were on the Navigator, the cruise were, were a lot of fun to hang out with and, and just talk about whether it was cruising or anything, really. It was just a lot of fun. I love it's just so much fun going on a cruise with friends, you know what I mean? And seeing Brian or, or seeing Brandon or seeing well, Billy, but <laughs> seeing all your friends on there, it makes it for a lot of fun, I got to tell you. Next, we have an email from Tracy from Miami. Greetings to the Oracle of all things Royal Caribbean. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. My preparation for an upcoming back-to-back on Oasis of the Seas has me reading past cruise compasses on your site. By the way, one of the great services you provide. I have some questions about onboard shopping. What's the best or worst time to buy? Do prices fluctuate? Do they get better or worse with time? Are prices cheaper or more expensive than on land? Is there a good strategy for onboard shopping? Or maybe is there a podcast episode devoted to the subject that I missed? Or maybe there could be an episode on shopping. So I don't think we've done an episode on shopping on board the ship. I will share some anecdotal experiences with you about shopping. Uh, Generally speaking, the prices on board actually aren't bad at all. Sometimes people assume that they're bad prices because you're kind of stuck on board. It's like the old like Sky Mall on an airplane, like you got nowhere else to go. It's not that at all. Actually, what's nice about buying stuff on board, especially things like liquor and jewelry to some extent, is that you're not usually charged tax on there. Uh, in fact, my, my parents, we were just on Anthem of the Season. My mother, who is uh, quite the connoisseur of, uh, of Grey Goose Vodka, don't ask, just that's her thing, uh, she found that the price they were offering for Grey Goose, which I believe was like I want to say it was like four bottles for $99 or something like that, was significantly better than any deal they've ever seen on land. So, and they took they bought that on day one. I would tell you in terms of shopping, uh, in terms of crowds, it feels like the, it's the most crowded in the evening, certainly around dinner time when most people are around, right? They're not going to be hanging out by the pool. They're Maybe they're, they're not in a show necessarily, but they're already in the Royal Promenade or in the Centrum area, and it just kind of lends itself towards... Uh, that kind of an experience, you get bigger crowds over there. Certainly, Royal Caribbean runs its own sales. You'll see them all the time, you know, advertised either in the cruise compass or and over in PA announcements and everywhere in between. But it seems like most of the big sales, but the events happen in the evening. That being said, I'm not saying there aren't deals. I'm saying that a lot of times I don't feel like the prices fluctuate all that much. I think it's kind of very consistent. The just the sales try to get people to come in there, right? You know, uh, pe- you know, f- people in the store. That's half the battle, right there. And then they kind of, you know, the ra- the raffle something off, but inevitably they're there. Hopefully that you go buy something. There are a couple exceptions. One is the ten dollar t shirt sale. That's usually on the last day of your cruise. It's going to be held somewhere. Sometimes it's on the pool deck. Sometimes on the promenade. You'll see it because there'll be a huge throng of people going over trying to find a t shirt for ten bucks. And you know, 
a Royal Caribbean t-shirt for 10 bucks ain't bad. I've, I've purchased a few of them uh, for my own collection. So that's definitely uh, something new. I don't think there's a worse time to buy. It's just you're dealing with crowds, quite honestly. Now, it also depends which store you're talking about. I would tell you in general, most people wait to shop to the end of the cruise. The, the logo shop, you know, the Royal Caribbean branded shop will be a zoo the last day of the cruise because everyone's like, oh yeah, I need to go buy that coffee mug I wanted, the t-shirt, and that ship model for Michael Poole. Like, those are all things people wait for the last day to go do. So, if you just want to avoid those lines, that's what I would do. The, the other great thing about the internet being on board, especially with, if, you got, if you're on a Royal Caribbean ship that has Voom, you can price check it. I remember we were in a shop one time and my wife was like, oh, look at this handbag, it's on sale. And, you know, should we get it? And I said, well, first of all, my answer to any time my wife asked her how to get a handbag, the answer is no. But I was like, well, let me go look it up because no way that price can be good. And I did a quick Google search on, you know, on Amazon and lo and behold, actually was a better deal. So there definitely can be deals, but I think it also behooves you to do a little bit of research on your part just to price check back at home and see what it is. Uh, you know, for a lot of folks, I think, at least personally, when it comes to, you know, the souvenir thing, you know, a T-shirt or a coffee mug, hey, it's really the only opportunity you're really going to have to get those kinds of things. If you're talking about jewelry... I look at it as it's a way to remember the vacation. I love buying my wife jewelry on when we're on vacation, whether we're on the ship or on an island, because not only do I, you know, it's a symbol of your love and affection and all that good stuff, but more importantly, you can look at it and I can say, oh yeah, we got that one in St. Thomas, or we got that one on Freedom of the Seas. And that kind of, you know, it, it makes it a little more special when you, can, when you can glance at it and bam, instantly remember it. So I think that in general... Knowing the prices is, is probably a good strategy. Some things can be good value. Some are maybe not so much. I think electronics is probably the area I would probably sway away from. Uh, they do sell things like cameras and GoPros and those video cameras, but uh, I, I'm not so sure that, they're, that you're getting any kind of great deal on those. I think you're probably better off buying them in advance. But it's not like, again, it's not, they're not highway robbery prices. You're probably, in fact, the worst thing, I was like, you know what the worst prices I've ever seen? are some of the shirts, the name brand shirts. I remember in one of the shops there was a, I think it was like U.S. Polo Association or Tommy Bahama. And you look at the prices. You ever go to like JCPenney or Macy's or any department store and you look at the price and there's that retail price that nobody actually pays? On, <laughs> on Royal Caribbean Gypsy, that's the retail price. That's what you're paying. So be wary of those. But again, knowing that, that that's because I'm an informed consumer to some extent and I know that. So I think that's really your strategy, Trace. And hopefully that little... Uh, insight provided a little bit of help there so uh next we have an email from nick who writes i'm at on the new drinks package which is 12 dollars per glass can you get a glass of prosecco with it so i'm going to show you nick my lack of wine knowledge but i had to google it and prosecco is a type of wine an italian white wine and yes wine as long as they've got the wine in stock that particular type Yes, it is included with it. Basically, any wine up to that $12 glass level you can get. Now, keep in mind that the selection of wines available, not every single bottle of wine you can get in glass form. That may be a point of confusion. So what that means is you'll see some glasses are available by the glass and by the bottle. Some are just available by the bottle. So obviously, if it's available just by the bottle, and you'll see that by the virtue of the fact there is no price by the glass, then you can't order that one with a drink package. But if it is available by the glass and it falls at $12 or less, then yes, you can take advantage of it. So good question there. Next, we have an email from Brian, MarinersFan77 on Periscope. Matt, I know you are a Labadee Cabana junkie, and their family recently got one on Navigator of the Seas. My question is about minimum age to rent one. On the cruise planner, they have an age restriction of four years old. Is this something new? I have a one and four-year-old along with my wife and parents on our April 2018 Oasis cruise. We'll be bringing our one-year-old prevent us from getting the cabana. They, we have a good deal at them for $225 at Nelly's Beach Waterfront Cabana, and I want to snap one up before the price goes up or they sell out. 
I'm very excited to hear that you'll be having a group cruise in summer 2018 out of Seattle to Alaska, since our family lives about 45 minutes outside of Seattle. Depending on the week you choose, we'll definitely be reserving into the group for the sailing. My wife is a teacher, so she isn't done teaching for the year until around the 20th of June. So anytime after that date will work. This is just my two cents, though. I know you have a lot of factors to consider when choosing the week, including price and availability for your family. Regardless, I hope you'll be having a Seattle get-together the night before the departure. I will definitely be joining and willing to facilitate any way I can with recommendations in the area. Thanks for your advice and input on the cabanas. Good luck on your move. It's never fun moving. Brian, thank you so much for the email. I'm going to start with the end of your email first and work backwards. Yes, we are doing group cruise. Seattle, uh, out of Seattle, Explore the Seas, June 22nd. And based on your email, Brian, I think you already know this information, but based on your email, it sounds like you're going to be able to go because that's after the 20th of June, June 22nd. So I am really hopeful, Brian, you'll be able to join us for it. So, yay. And, of course, if you want more details about our group cruises, well, I'll post the show, a link in our show notes at royalcreamblog.com. You can always find, though, anytime uh, by going to royalcreamblog.com slash events for all of our group cruises. We've got three coming up. We've got Harmony of the Seas this September 2017. We've got Explorer of the Seas. By the way, Harmony goes to the Caribbean, Western Caribbean. Uh, Explorer of the Seas to Alaska, June 22nd, 2018. And then we've got the brand new, super amazing, I can't believe they're going to put that in there, Symphony of the Seas, November 2018. Awesome itineraries all around. I want you to join us for all of them because that's really the idea. The idea of these group cruises are to be as inclusive as possible. I want all my friends to be able to join me for it. That includes you. Now, and I'm not just talking about Brian because I do want Brian to join us. For my, that's all of you. you. You listening to my voice. like The royal you. Everybody listening. I want you to be a part of it. And to get quotes, no obligation quotes for all these group cruises, go over to royalcribbinblog.com slash events. All right. Now to answer your question, your original question. Is there a problem bringing a one-year-old on in your cabana on Labadee? The answer is absolutely, positively, no way is that a problem. I've done it many, many times. My kids are right now; they're two and six, but I bring I brought them both when they were as young as six months old. Never a problem, Brian. I think that's just either uh, the same kind of verbiage that Rokeman just recycles, you know, from all the excursions. I don't. Basically, I think the idea is that you can't rent it in the one-year-old's name, but there's absolutely no age restriction one way or the other in terms of who can be there. It's just me. It's just really just as long as you have up to six people per cabana, that's the only restriction they got. So I think you have a great time, Brian. Your one-year-old's going to love it because they're going to be able to probably nap there, which is the most important thing in life. <laughs> Unless you're honestly have one-year-olds and aging bloggers as well. I do enjoy my beach, beach nap. So, uh, of course... Uh, you'll have no issues there at all, Brian. So book it under your name or someone else's, some other adult's name in the group. You'll have no problems there. Enjoy it. It is a wonderful thing. And, of course, fair warning, it will ruin the rest of your times to visit Labadee because anything less than a cabana is always disappointing. <laughs> all right, my friends. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Of course, if you have more questions, you got more comments, you got more thoughts, I want to hear about it. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Com. One other quick housekeeping note. If you can be in the Washington, D.C. area, April 29th, that's a Saturday, 11.30 a.m., we're going to be meeting at Union Station at Johnny Rockets, because, hey, you got to be, we need a real, real cribbing connection there. If you can be in uh, Washington, D.C., Union Station, Johnny Rockets, April 29th, that's a Saturday, 11.30 a.m., we are doing the first ever Real Cream Blog Meetup in the mid-Atlantic region, so whether you're in Northern Virginia, West Virginia, Baltimore, Greater Maryland, South Jersey, Philly, South Dakota, (laughs) 
<laughs> anywhere. As long as you can be in the area in DC on that weekend, I would love for you to join us for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll post a link in our show notes for more information to our Facebook page to be able to RCP and uh, be a part of the action. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's no cost. Just come on by, show up, say hello. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope you'll be able to join us for it. Again, that's on uh, Saturday, April 29th, 2017. If you're listening to this episode in the future, I'm sorry you missed it. But there will be another one, I'm sure, soon. Unless you're really far in the future, then eventually we'll have one again. But nonetheless, check it on out, April 29th, D.C. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>